welcome everybody to a bonus edition of the Pac-Man podcast. I'm Ted Flint. With me is my daughter Madeline, and we've got a couple of things to discuss here. We're going to first talk about what we just witnessed tonight at a school board meeting in Cambridge, Cambridge, New York, Southern Washington County. We've talked about this on a couple of occasions, and it's this whole Indian mascot debacle. And we thought, little did we know, that the elections of July, in which we elected two of our uh, conservative, more conservative board members, they are pro-mascot, one of whom is an actual Oneida Indian, a full-blooded Oneida Indian. I believe he's full-blooded. And we thought we had a 3-2 advantage, so we voted in July to keep the mascot. Then we find out in August some shady business went on. I guess a couple of members of the community, we won't say what community, community, the arts community, (laughs) they went above the board and straight to the uh, commissioner of uh, education, state commissioner of education, right? Am I getting this right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's very late as we record this. And uh, evidently the, the commissioner of education has the final say and not the board of education here in Cambridge. So the will of the taxpayers, the will of the voters was subverted yet again. First of all, welcome. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> that was a fiery intro. Um, I am not surprised that this was the final outcome. This isn't the final outcome, but I'm not surprised that this is the outcome that um, arose from like the previous voting and everything because some shady things happened over Zoom. Um, it's a really easy way for people to get away with making some untrustworthy moves, you know, and you can't really be held accountable from behind a screen. So everything that happened then it was kind of like stated in a way where they couldn't get in trouble for it. And now we're seeing the results of their actions and um, having the school board have like no power and having the state commissioner of education have power over the school board is that sets a really bad precedent. I think it does. I mean, why bother having elections? Well, we saw what happened in January when a certain segment of the population believed that their votes didn't count. So evidently our votes don't count. We, We elected a school board. We speak through them, our elected representatives. And so evidently, a few community members decided to go to the state education commissioner. I don't know her name. I thought it was a man, but it doesn't matter. We know what party affiliation they, they are. I mean, uh, yeah, they. Well, Is it a they or she? or It's a woman. So uh, <laughs> we're not going to get into the pronouns thing. Uh, that's another... So, I mean, evidently, the, the, the state edu- education commissioner decides who or whether we keep our mascot. So, you know, the Board of Education be damned. And our three Republican members, God bless them, the the, uh, the president of the board is a Republican, very able uh, young lady, but they have no authority. They, they have no authority. I don't understand what, why there's not more of a, uh, a stink made about this. I mean, there were only a few people at the Board of Education meeting tonight, and we were among them. But I just felt as though uh, I listened because I didn't know what happened in August. Some things went on in August. Lawyers are now involved. The attorneys, the school attorneys are involved. Uh, so it's like out of our hands. And, and this all is because of a few members of the community too. That's like a few leftists. Who are they? To, to well, who? Are, why is it up to them to make a choice for the whole community? And and they they have said that conservatives and all of us are the power hungry ones, but they're the ones that are ruling like authoritarian like dictators. Really, I know yeah. that's a really packed statement to say, but. A few people, and I don't know how many people, one, two, three, the superintendent didn't say how many or who they were. They go to the board of education, the uh, state 
commissioner. education commissioner. And they basically plead their case to her. And she decides, OK, we're going to do away with the mascot. I mean, that's not how a democracy is supposed to work. No, it's not. And I've actually spoken to a lot of people, um, some of whom are on the side of the people who went and talked to the commissioner over the school board. And um, dare I say insurrection, the event that occurred in this past January, um, they were so infuriated by that. And they said that it was a war on democracy and that because people were exercising their freedom of speech and it was people that they disagreed with, so of course they're going to be terrorists in their eyes. But they said because those people were speaking out against the election and they said that that was like valid and there was no voter fraud and everything, but they said democracy was endangered. Mm -hmm. And now for us, okay those now, same people are the yeah. ones who are surpassing our school board, which is our, our local mm -hmm. power. Through right. federalism and the Constitution, our local districts are supposed to have their designated power. The state has theirs. Right. Um, separation of powers. But you're yeah. seeing how the administrative state works, honey. And it really grew under Barack Obama at the federal yes, level. It and it's happening here at the local level. We, these people are unelected. The, the state uh, education commissioner okay, so is not elected. It's not democratic at all. It's not. I mean, she, she was elected. She was appointed. She was not elected. She was appointed by elected representatives. New York City Democrats. So they could try to say it's an indirect democracy. It's an indirect okay, democracy. Well, it's but really. they didn't, we didn't elect her. She, she was appointed by liberals downstate. And this is why, you know, the larger discussion, this is, I'm so upset about this because it's about a lot more than just the mascot. This yeah. is, this is the, the tip of the iceberg. Their cultural Marxists are who they are mm -hmm. and what they are. That's going to come out here. But anyway, I don't want to get too far afield. But I mean, it's just—it's like uh, the, the school board has no power. Evidently, the the the, uh, the voters in the village and town of Cambridge have no power. We just have to sit by and let these people dictate to us what they want, what a few members of the arts community want. They complain, they go above our heads, and this is where we are. Now, I want to uh, shift gears a little bit. I want you to tell the folks about your first few weeks oh, at SUNY Albany. Life. Yeah, campus yeah. life and how the and you're not being indoctrinated in any way. I mean, oh, the teachers, no. the professors are all in the up and up. They're, they're objective, right? Clearly objective. Why don't you tell us about one instructor in particular in the course is public policy. It is a course that I did not want to take, but I am a political science and art double major currently until next semester, and it's going to switch to art and a minor in medical anthropology. But as of right now, I am stuck with political science because, yes, it was my choice, but it was a big interest stuck of mine. With. But <laughs> now I should say I'm stuck with this lady, this yeah. professor. She is obviously educated. You know, she has a, a very good like vocabulary and she uses all the correct jargon and everything right. she for, right for that field. Yeah. It's but, just that everything she knows is wrong. It sounds well, like to me. But anyway. she cannot get any further to the left she might as well go in a circle yeah. <laughs> she's she is the one thing that makes me not want to go to college on tuesdays and thursdays but what did i expect it's a state public it's a, it's university, university, right? state um, university. Yeah. and she has had these discussions to like with the class based on some hot topics that are that are you know nationally covered and everything um two of which being immigration and abortion boy i wonder how she Ooh. how she views abortion now one of the questions you showed me not, not to interrupt did, you you're I on did. a train of thought, no, okay. thought here is uh, uh should abortion be legal or illegal right and it was only a yes or no question and that particular question should not be just yes or no without being able to flesh it out or as she would say unpack i should yeah. have been able to unpack my answer npr no doubt she's an npr listener um, that's all no they say doubt is unpack. she speaks like they do um anyway <laughs> 
we were decided or bleh. anyway we had to choose just yes or no should it be legal should it be illegal um i did take a picture of of the class vote and i'm pretty sure it was like seven percent to like 93 percent but i can't remember because a lot of kids didn't some kids didn't vote seven percent being what people who oh, um, the people who think it should be illegal of course that abortion, 93% believe it should be legal. So yes. you're in the minority, obviously. I am, yes. So yes. It, it, there was no right or wrong answer. It is legal, no, at least for the time being. It's question. an opinion, right. So, and, and did you have to explain your answers? Uh, no, we weren't allowed to, which I think is really terrible because, you know, there's that limitation on conservative kids. And, well, no one was really allowed to answer because time permitting, we had to finish class and everything. But um, her explanation for why it should be legal was that people in this country value rights i mean i value rights i value rights for everyone and that includes the unborn but she she's definitely an exclusionist in that category where she doesn't think she is but she is and she said women's rights are being affected and by this law passed in texas you know the heartbeat act yes. and their right to murder was violated that's what it sounds like to me. She didn't say those, no, use those exact never. words. But their right to choose what they want to happen with their body. And I hate that phrase. And I no. see it every day, everywhere, all over social media. People are so brainwashed. I'm going to say brainwashed because they are. It's way beyond misinformation. Yeah. Um, how could you not believe that a little fetus or whatever yeah. it, it's, is... Well, you took uh, Latin. Uh, fetus is Latin for offspring. Of course. That's all it is. I mean, so... Everybody they, should know that, too. They they, mm -hmm. they they say fetus like that dehumanizes the, the unborn baby. It's an unborn, it it's a, a life. They also call it a thing. And I had this one conversation online actually a few days ago with this girl who's probably my age, but, you know, I don't know who she is. But I was reading through a comment section over my breakfast because I was bored and I was waiting for my class to start. And she called the fetus a thing. And that thing is not classified as a person until it can breathe air on its own. Now, I don't know the Supreme if she Court failed determine that or, class, right. or if she she's just that brainwashed. And I'm pretty sure it's probably both at this point. She made it up, basically. There's no yeah. there's no definition that says life begins at that point. No, that life she begins when the cell, when the embryo starts growing after conception. Um, yeah. But... You know, I guess people aren't like medically attuned to how they grow. It may not be able to sustain itself outside. It's a separate the, entity, right. though. It's just connected to the mother through the umbilical cord because the womb is the, the home right. and the baby gets its nutrients and everything and nourishment from being there until it is able by development to live on its own. But nobody wants to listen to that because if you dehumanize it, then they can justify right. murder. So, that's right. And that's it's what not my really professor life, right? is like. And she said, wow, it looks like we have an overwhelming support of women's rights in this room. All I could think of was that we had an overwhelming number of little murderers what about the women? That's right. <laughs> what about the right of women to be born? Because half of these babies are going to be women. Mm -hmm. Roughly half are going to grow to be women someday. And a lot of them would have been in their precious minority groups, too. But so 60 million of them, 60 million of them will never get that chance. No, and 60 million of them will never get the chance to actually get their education and become whatever they were going to be, doctors or teachers or other like professors at her level. Mm -hmm. um, they never even had a chance to breathe. Have you brought those, those points up to her yet or no? Uh, She's going to love you. Oh, my gosh. Well, she should love me even more now after I finished my um, survey that she said was extra credit. And the way that all the questions were asked, it was just to see what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, 
the conservative questions were like framed in a really terrible way, of sure. course, you know, sure. and I just I said yes to all of them. I, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to put everybody in a box and see which kids need more indoctrination and how much harder she's going to have to work to get me to switch my opinions around, which is not going to happen because I had a firm foundation at home. Mm -hmm. But one of the questions I remember it kind of stood out to me was about uh, caring for the country and making it a more just place. And I understand that the way that she asked it was probably meant to focus on economic issues, like communism, you know, take e from the rich and give yeah. to the poor and make everyone equally miserable. But I changed it for my um, response and I just hit other because, you know, there's only three options. And um, I said that I believed in justice for every person and that includes the unborn. And, you know, oh, with love to her. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, well, they talk about justice. That's a, that's Marx. Marx. Marx used that that word a lot. Justice, uh, economic justice, taking from those who earn it and giving the money to those who don't earn it. Uh, what is that? The climate justice. Oh yeah, Social I love justice, that one. Climate justice, economic justice. <laughs> You're right. It all it all includes uh, redistribution of wealth, basically. And it you know as Marx put it, and Marx got credit for this quote. I'm not sure it was him. I don't know if it originated with Marx, but it's from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Mm. And if you read Ayn Rand, which you bought me that book by Ayn Rand, oh, I know. I can't wait Atlas Shrugged, she talks about need. The liberals love to talk about need. People are in need. Well, they don't have they don't have a right to your they don't have a right to your money. No, well, the government. They, because right. of its authority, can can walk in there and take people's money and make it look like it's a helping hand when really yeah. it's destructive. Yeah, so. and the government grows in the process. Uh, I wish we had more time. Fifteen minutes is fifty. Are you done? I don't want to cut you short. Oh, I could go on all night, but we'll just have to. We'll continue it because uh, if I go over fifteen minutes, I have a hard time sending the file for whatever reason. That's probably user error, no <laughs> doubt. But before I go, I want to just get this across because you and I, uh, I've gotten both my shots. You are in the process. You got one shot. You get your second shot in about a week. Of Pfizer, this was a big story a week or two ago, and I keep forgetting to to bring it up. But I'm reading this in WorldNet Daily by Bob Unruh, and it, it, this is it's a stunner, as the headline says. There's an expert, Dr. Uh, Robert Malone, says the FDA the, the FDA approved Pfizer a week or so ago, but it's not what people have been getting. The shots we've been getting that people have been getting for over a year, the Pfizer shots have that that vaccine has not been approved by the FDA. It's another vaccine. It's similar. I'm not saying it's unsafe, but Americans have been getting this, these Pfizer shots for you know almost a year under emergency use authorization. Now it's just a way for the government to cover their backs, though. But yeah, this Dr. Malone says what reports have failed to include is that the vaccine approved by the FDA is not the same as the one already in use. He spoke with Steve Bannon on Bannon's show War Room. He said the vaccines are similar, but not exactly the same. And it's a trick the government is playing. He said it's uh, it's done that, that they've issued two letters, separate letters for two separate vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine, which is what is currently available, is still under emergency use authorization and it still has the liability shield. The other vaccine, this Comirnaty, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, that's not yet available. But the product that's licensed is the BioNTech product, which is substantially similar, but not necessarily identical. So people, and this is what gets people suspicious about the government. Everything's underhanded. They're, they're not telling you everything that you need to know about this. Mm -hmm. It's still experimental, these vaccines. Because these things directly affect the public's health. And you yeah. think they would care about public health, but they really don't. Yeah, they right. really it's a, don't. It's about an agenda. 
All right, you done? Because I, I yeah, I, I just want to wrap it up with this last statement from U Albany's Instagram. If you are unvaccinated, partially vaccinated, or have a vaccination exemption, they'll leave you one last message: Come sit and spit. Good boy, U Albany. Oh, that's it. Great Danes. They want your spit. It's all about freedom and liberty, right? All right. Thanks, honey. My uh, daughter, Madeline, who is a freshman at SUNY Albany, will have her back. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Again, if you want to listen to this fine show and all the fine shows we have for you, go to the bmgnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's pacman at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.